This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, all you curious creatures out there. I'm Amber Ray. And I'm Andrew McKay. And we are the hosts of Into the Portal. If you like myths, legends, history with a paranormal twist, join us every week as we explore lesser-known mysteries of our world and beyond. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, and all other major podcast platforms, and at intotheportal.com, your gateway to the bizarre. The only question is, do you dare peer into the portal? Hello, dear listeners of the Mad Scientist Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Cogswell, here with my co-host, Marie Mayhew. Oh my God, Chris. What oh is God. going on? Marie. Oh my God. Oh my I God, Chris. I missed you, Chris. Marie. I missed you so bad. I missed you. Man, we've well, been- You know, you're you're like jet-setting now. You're all taking on the conference circuit and stuff. Doing too much mad, stuff, Marie. Mad conference circuit. Telling I'm just you. like, I'm just, you know- I'm just, I'm just hustling to make a dollar out here, man. <laughs> hustling to make a dollar. Hustling. That's exact. That's 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 Marie Mayhew in a nutshell. Let me tell you, people. Good stuff. It's good <laughs> stuff. So, uh, dear listeners, for those that don't know, uh, we have been on kind of a mini hiatus recently, both so that the two of us could take a little bit of time off, but also so that we could do a whole bunch of traveling and stuff that we had to do. Which is why we've been releasing all these episodes that are kind of, you know, uh, with guest co-hosts and things. And yeah, so we're back to regularly scheduled programming here. But this that you episode, know and love. With oh, that, yeah. you, that you know and love. But this episode, we thought we could give you a little bit of kind of our on-the-ground reporting of uh, Alien Con and then Marie's time at the happiest place on Earth. Just, yeah, yeah, you know, just just little, uh, little side sundry stuff in between. Yeah, it's going to be great. All right, Jake, roll the tape. So, Marie, mm-hmm. tell me mm-hmm. about uh, tell me about your your trip. Oh my here. god, was it good? About the trip? Yeah. Well, okay, so we did go to so we went to Joshua Tree, and like okay. at Joshua Tree, like. The most research I did, and you guys, our listening base will be really proud of this, is I'm like, like buried treasure, buried gold treasure at Joshua Tree was my, like everyone else is downloading, here are the animals you'll see. Oh, here's, you know, where you should stop and get out and take a look at natural, the natural environs. I'm like, where's the buried gold treasure, yo? (laughs) At Joshua Tree. Um, so like we did stop and we did a quick, we did a quick survey of skull rock, which was very interesting. That actually does look like a skull. And, um, and also the lost horse mines, which is a, uh, I think from the 1920s, a gold mine that was shut down that still has a legend and lore about, uh, buried gold in the proximity So that was, that was our our first, our first jaunt. And it was like, I will say it was like a, like 700 degrees out. So we really only got out of the car when absolutely, when absolutely necessary, which is what you expect on a good vacation with your family. Um, We're only going to get out to see natural sites for the briefest amount of time before we can get back into air conditioning. And then we went to um, being, being the, the star Wars family that we are, we doubled down, uh, maxed out the credit cards, and went to uh, Star Wars Land, Galaxy Edge for before the uh, before the like the the mass population opening. Which I just have to say, if you are a Star Wars fan, um, you have got you've got to go. You've just got to go. It is like I took pictures and have just been on about it since we've been back. But it really it's like it's amazing. It's fully an environment where you are just submerged into this entirely different culture and every detail around you is star Wars or star Wars related. 
And it's pretty cool. Like, I know you're more of a Harry Potter's guy, but um, like when you turn the corner in this park and you see the Millennium Falcon parked there in full size, you're just like, holy S. Yeah, like, that's the Millennium cool. Falcon. That's like, that's that's the ship, you know, and you, you're, you're trying to bend your head around it. And it's like, you know, say what you want about Disney and about what they've done with Star Wars and just about the park in general. And there's people out there, they'll be like, oh, you know, Disney is they do not skimp on any detail. And they are really, really tight and really good with the experience. And for the time that we we only got like a four minute or four minute, four hour window in there. And I'm it was just like, oh, my God, this is insane. How 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 good they how well they did it and the best things that we saw that was open while we were there was um was this was the millennium falcon and seeing it kind of in real and then going on the ride which you can actually you know you have your you're either a pilot or a gunner or an engineer on the ride and it's kind of stressful and kind of fun and i piloted it and um we didn't crash <laughs> nice we did hit a few we hit a few things but that's cool um and then there's a cantina where they actually serve alcohol, which is hysterical. And it looks like the Star Wars cantina. I mean, it is like just crazy, 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 amazingly detailed. And so we went in there and we had some drinks and um, had some snacks and put down a couple Benjamins there. But it was like all in all, it's like, if again, like if you are a fan, if you're a fan of the original series, if you've got a family or if you're just like on your own, You've got to check it out. I can't I can't recommend it enough how much fun it was and how much like it takes you kind of out of your everyday, you know, worries and concerns and everything else. So massive two thumbs up and going to be paying that off for quite some time, but it's totally worth it. Right, right. Oh, it's super cool. You know, it's funny. So we we actually had so we did uh, we did Alien Con with a couple other podcasters. Right. We did it with. uh with the guys from Hysteria 51, uh, Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, uh, Somewhere in the Skies, and then Monsters Among Us. And then, of course, oh my uh, God. And then of course uh, Dave from Blurry Photos was also there as our moderator. So we all did this panel together. I'm trying to think. Did I, I think that's all the shows that were represented there. I'm pretty certain. And there were a bunch of other podcasters there, too, who uh, who also were great and came around and stuff. So we had, you know, um, uh, from Breakers, from uh, the Sofa King podcast – um, you know, just, just a whole bunch of, a bunch of whole, a bunch of whole great folks and stuff coming together and hanging out and everything else. And so it was super fun. And we actually did, uh, we actually did a day. Um, so we did the thing itself, of course. And then we actually did a after party at, um, an after party at what's known as the scum and villainy cantina in Hollywood. And so that cantina it's actually modeled after the cantina from like Moe's Isley, right from Star yes. Wars. And there so we go. I guess it yes, was actually really funny. It was really funny. So it was started as, I guess, a pop up after the uh, reboots or not reboots, but the, um, you know, like episode one, two and three were made. Yeah. yeah. It was created <laughs> then as kind of like a touring facility, kind of like a bar. And then people liked it so much they just turned it into a normal bar. Um, but they added like a bunch of random stuff. So there was like, you know, some, uh, some Schmeagle stuff from the Hobbit and there was like, you know, all kinds of cool kind of stuff there. It's just a pop culture bar. Love yeah, that. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. So it was a lot of fun, um, you know, which was really cool. So I had a great time there, uh, really, you know, and, uh, you know, so like I said, the, it was great. The listeners that don't know about Alien Con, like what's Alien? Like I... Again, like I have a picture in my head about what Alien Con is, but what is Alien Con? What right. So, do? so actually, What'd so for, so, but first, before I, before I, uh, mm. what's it? Before I mm. mess up anything else here. So, I just wanted to give a shout out to all the people that were there with us. Um, right. So, we had, of course, uh, on the panel itself was, uh, like I said, you know, Hysteria 51. Um, it was Monsters Among Us, stuff they don't want you to know blurry photos somewhere in the skies. And then of course us, the man scientist podcast. Then at the events afterwards, we had the sofa King podcast guys came out. Um, Patty from the, just the worst podcast, uh, Sam Culper from breakers podcast. And, you know, uh, just, just really great guy and everything. So a bunch of, a bunch of really cool shows came out to support us. Um, 
we also had uh, the the folks from uh, We Witches Three, um, which is really cool. Which is a show that we actually we played their uh, what's it? We played their promo on an episode mm-hmm. uh, not so long ago. Um, so they came out too, which was really great to meet them in person. So uh, the the general idea here, and then of course you know the folks from um, what's it? The folks from What's it? The what's it in the who's it? There were just a whole bunch of people there, you know, which was really great. Um, what's it? It was just, it was so much, it was so much damn fun. I had a great time there. Really. I cannot say enough about how much fun I had. Um, but okay. So what is alien con? So alien, alien con essentially is <laughs> a, alien con is put on by the people that do, uh, like the a broadcast network. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's sort of who does it. Arts, right? arts and entertainment. Yeah. So, yeah. So it was put on by them um, and through the history channel, which is another company that they own. And so it's really, mm-hmm. really started off as kind of a promo spot for the ancient alien show. And it's kind of, it's kind of broadened. Big up out yourself. Now. Big up yourself. Uh, Ancient aliens. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of, it's broadened out now to be include a bunch of other people. So for instance, we got to meet with the people from rogue planet um, who are, you know, big friends of the show. We really enjoy them a lot. Uh, Like I said, you know, Ryan from somewhere in the skies was there. Another great show. Um, Got to meet all the ancient aliens people that were, that was kind of fun and interesting and something I never thought I'd do. Got to speak to some really cool people and everything, but essentially it's just kind of a conference for folks who either, you know, are interested in this stuff who are involved in the world of it in some ways, you know, it's not, it's not really like a, it's not a serious conference in the sense of, you know, Oh, we're going to talk about data and stuff. Like it is not that at all. It's definitely much more like a comic con kind of thing. Um, which is awesome. Yeah. Which, which is, is awesome. which is I awesome. And a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah, it was great. So, you know, we had, I had a great time there. So the panel that we were on was for podcasting in the UFO world. And so obviously from, obviously from the list of people niche. that were there, super it kind niche, of, super yeah, niche. That's it, it, awesome. it kind of, go, it kind of, our panel ran the gamut from people who I think are more, uh, more skeptical than us here on our show to much less skeptical or, or I guess skeptical is the wrong word. Much less critical, I guess I would say. Their show is more about taking in stories and hearing from people as opposed mm-hmm. to kind of dissecting the science or the evidence that's behind the, sh- the, the stories themselves. Interesting. Um, so that was cool. And then another thing that was a lot of fun actually was the experiencer panels, um, which there was one in particular that was really good. A lot of it was a lot of it was people who have made a lot of money in the UFO field or a lot of money. I've made some money in the UFO field coming out and saying, Hey, buy my book. <laughs> you know, uh, that was, there was a lot of that going on, but oh, really, yeah, which is very surprising Marie, but, Oh my God. What? But the other, People the other trying to make money ridiculous, Come right? On, son. But the other thing was, or the other part of it that we thought was, I thought was pretty cool. Um, was the sessions where it was actual people who had had experiences themselves coming forward. And saying, you know, what happened to them and how it's affected them afterwards. And, you know, for anyone who's for anyone who's skeptical of this subject or thinks, you know, wonders, well, why why does Chris even waste his time on these stories or things? You know, I or or even just thinks, why would people believe these stories in the first place? I would suggest going to one of these conferences and just sitting in the back and listening to the stories people tell about their experiences in the ways that it's affected them, you know, there, there were people, you know, nearly in tears, uh, shaking from anxiety of how nervous it made them. People who, mm. you know, talk about how since their experience, they haven't been able to leave the house really, or, you know, they, uh, they experience extreme anxiety around certain shapes or certain colors of light or certain times of day while they're driving, you know, people that are really affected by this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it's really easy to lose sight of the fact that there are real people at the other side of this story that are being taken advantage of with these things. You know, I mean, I did kind of my own unscientific analysis where I just the whole time, every time I heard someone tell a story of an experience they had, I 
made a note of whether or not they mentioned that they had been hypnotized or not. Mm-hmm. And it was it was about mm-hmm. 60-40 of mm-hmm. about 60% said that they had been either suggested to go to hypnotism or had sought out hypnotism themselves. Mm, interesting. And okay. that's mm-hmm. that sucks. <laughs> that's really unfortunate. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so when I I was actually at the Experiencer panel, which was run by Ryan Sprague and Jason McClellan, both from Rogue Planet, and uh, you know, uh, when I spoke to when I when I I got up at that session and said, you know, listen, there is there, you know, the original reason that hypnotism was implemented in these cases was as a means to relieve anxiety which is what you're all talking about, that you have this extreme anxiety after right. the fact. And so the first time it was used really was in the Betty and Barney Hill case, or the most famous first time it was used was in the Betty and Barney Hill case. Yeah, the most where, documented. Right, where it was yeah. it was done not to get information about what actually happened to them, but as a means of allowing them to confront their anxieties in a safe way for their brains, you know, or for their right. psyches. And right. since then, we have found that there are a lot better, safer ways of relieving that anxiety than hypnotism. And so I just said, you know, if, you know, for anyone that's suffering with anxiety, which I myself suffer with, you know, I would suggest seeking out better options than hypnotism, you know, and people took that pretty well, I would say, uh, which, which I was surprised by and really happy with, honestly. Which is good. And I think like, from what I'm hearing, it's almost like, any subject that people are impassioned about, there's going to be people that are in it for driving commercial interests, right? And there's going to be people in it that can profit off of those commercial interests. And then there's going to be people that actually have some type of experience that's, you know, that's genuine that has affected their lives and the whole sort of that whole spectrum and gamut in between. And I think it's interesting that one event can sort of encapsulate all of that. Right. Cause I think it's like from, from the pictures that I saw that you were sending back, I'm like, Oh my God, this is you got some, this is some good stuff coming in. But it's also like, I think that there's, it's good that there's a space that people can have that panel and talk about that and talk about and have a shared experience about their anxiety, no matter what, like no matter what the cause of it is. Like, yeah. Again, am I am I a believer in the um, in in this type of thing? I don't really know, but you know, in sitting in and listening to this, as long as there's sort of that shared experience that they're able to feel like they're not alone, I think that that's important, right? And that that's that's that gives them like some at least some sort of comfort in being able to express that out to other people. You know, and yeah, I think I- you're right. Like hypnotism is so problematic because it it comes with so much other stuff than just solving somebody's you know the root cause of somebody's anxiety or what what's causing a person discomfort yeah it's it's a it's a Mm -hmm. it's a challenging subject i would say um marie let's let's i applaud you for getting up and doing it thank you marie making the uh and being the uh dr buzz killer Coming up here. I know. It was really funny. After, afterwards, I texted you, Scott and Forrest, and I just said, I think what I said was, I just told a room full of experiences that they needed to seek psychotherapy. Yes. Yes, In a much kinder way. I mean, you know, really, it's it's really hard not to feel for these people. And, you know, you believe them. I mean, they had something scary happen to them. I just don't yes. know if it was aliens. So the other really cool part of Alien Con was getting to meet with a bunch of really cool people and say hi to them. So it's insane. So I got to, ones that you were reporting back. That's so cool. Yeah. So we, we actually had a chance to, uh, we had a chance just to speak to like David Childress really quickly just to say hi. Uh, you know, he's super nice in person. I don't like, I like we've seen on the show. We don't necessarily agree with everything he says, but he's a very nice guy. He seems super cool. Uh, we did get to talk to and actually record a mini little interview with Seth uh, Shostak, who is a, um, a PhD uh, who did uh, work for uh, SETI. He actually was, I believe, director of SETI for some time um, and hosts some uh, hosts his own podcast and this sort of 
this sort of subject and things, which is really cool. He's a fellow of the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry, um, <laughs> was chair of the International Academy of Astronautics, um, SETI Permanent Committee, and you know has just a whole bunch of stuff going on for himself. He's a really cool guy. was super nice, super kind to even sit down with us. He didn't have a lot of time, but we got to do kind of a mini interview, so – um, we're hoping to have him come on the show for a full episode soon and also get the audio from him. I, it was a total, uh, a total noob move, Marie. I just, I asked, I asked the PR person that was running the interviews and stuff. I was like, Hey, I would really love to talk to him just for 10 minutes, just to even introduce myself, introduce our show and maybe set up a time to talk later. And so then when he came in, he was like, Oh, so where are you set up for recording? And I was like, Oh, I actually don't have any stuff. Cause I'm a total scrub. And he's like, oh, I got my own stuff. We can record it on my stuff. And he Aww, came. Yeah. Good. So I did I need to email him and get that file from him, but he was so so kind Excuse and cool. Excuse me, may I please have the audio? <laughs> like seriously. It was ridiculous. Nice. But he was super cool, really nice. Um yeah, got you know, and just kind of got to see a lot of the folks you see on Ancient Aliens, which was cool. It was really funny, the so the amount of money that they must make off of just autographs and things. Cause no oh, one gives dude. an autograph for free, right? At these things. Oh no. They're no, all no, charging. No, no, no. Like I think we probably would oh, We'd be we... like, well, of course I'll sign that. Who else wants me to sign something? Oh my God. If someone asked me to sign something, I would freak out. I don't even know what I would do. I don't, yeah, I don't even know if I'd sign my name, to be honest no, with you. I think I'd sign the name of somebody vastly more interesting. I was going to say, I'd be so freaked out. I'd be like, all right, I'm just going to sign this with, I don't know, Kobe Bryant or something, right? Like, just going to just gonna sign it as someone else who's a lot cooler the Bron than Bron King James. There it is. How could that, how, how could that go wrong? Right. Uh, you know, we got to see, I think the thing that was kind of the funniest for me was there was a panel on, there was a panel hosted by, this guy who is the producer of ancient aliens and he came out and there was a bunch of people there that are kind of on the MUFON experiencer team, including two people that I, I really like actually. So um, NK Cranda and then Earl gray, who are both doing really good work actually in this field. But what was funny is they, you know, the professionalism of those two was sort of drowned out by the oddness of the rest of the team that was up there. So, you know, it quickly veered off into like, we've been telepathically communicating with aliens for decades and they tell us not to use nuclear power and, you know, that kind of stuff. And then at one point, this woman got up and said, well, who here has had a psychic connection? Who here feels like they've had a psychic connection that has been turned on in the last couple of years? And then she was like, you know, well, who feels like something big is coming, but they can't describe what? And it's like, ma'am, why don't you ask us, you know, who here had breakfast this morning? Like, there's such vague questions, you know? Well, like, who? Such a cold read. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. It was really yes, interesting. I have. Because what if you're like, what if you're the, again, what if you're the, the dillweed that's like, I haven't. Well, that's anything. The aliens have told me, like, keep on keeping on. It's going to be just normal, boring stuff for the rest <laughs> of, like, at least another 75 to 150 <laughs> years. Right. They're like, no, no major innovations, no great, you know, like, these, you know, anything you're experiencing now that seems traumatic, it's just a bump in the road. Gonna eat right. out. Yeah. It's, right? Like, yeah, it's really but, funny. Uh, sorry. sorry. No. I just feel like, you know, like, especially for aliens who probably experience more long time, if you're an alien being and if an alien being is out there, I don't think they may experience time in the same ways that we do. So it's sort of like they may be projecting something that's like, if you are actually receiving something from them, first of all, but second of all, like, maybe it's not within the next X years. Yeah. Small diatribe. Please yeah. continue. No, it was it was an interesting it was an interesting little situation that went on there. And then I, you know, was gonna go I was gonna go to some other panels and things, but then like just the I, I ended up spending a lot of time in kind of the the area where people were selling things. And so I bought a bunch of wacky <laughs> I bought a bunch of wacky books. I got some stuff. Oh, it was God. really funny. So actually this was really interesting. So we had someone uh, when I went down there, there were people talking about, you know, uh, there was a team there um, who are supposedly working on anti-gravity technology. And they were wearing lab coats and stuff, which was kind of fun. <gasps> Legit. And, yeah. Did you see your, did you were like, I instantly trust you, sir. Well, so. Wearing 
You are wearing the identification of science. So I went, I went up and they saw my name tag and they were like, oh, I think we've argued with you on Twitter. And I was like, yeah, you, yeah, probably. That's probably accurate. You're the a-hole from Twitter. Yeah, and like, you know. I am. And so that. And I that, don't even, I don't have my lab coats. No, so, so that interaction was kind of fun. And then I, I went to a, um. I went to a table the second day, so I promised Jake that I would buy him a mineral or a crystal or whatever to help him with his aura. And so mm. when uh, he, you know, he was like, well, what kind of, what kind of are, there, are, are available? And I was like, I don't know. I'll get you something funny. And so I went down, and um, there was actually a really cool table where a, a, uh, a local teacher, like I think he said he was a local high school teacher, was mm. selling pieces of meteorites that he collected. Well, which was actually which was actually yeah. really cool. So him and I talked a little bit and you know, we got on pretty well and we were talking about meteorites and I was telling him how, you know, some of the labs that I uh, some of my colleagues who he worked with actually do research on uh obtaining new phases of solid matter from meteorites, right? So new types of crystals mm-hmm. or new types of iron, aluminum uh components or whatever for magnets. And so that was really cool. That was a really cool interaction. And then I went to another table the next day and I was walking around and they were like, oh, you uh, oh, you're, you're a presenter. What did you present on? And I kind of explained my background and, you know, what we were talking about at the panel. And this uh, this lady and her two uh, co-workers or booth mates, I guess these two guys were like, oh, so you're you're like, you know, crystals and stuff. They're like, oh, so you'll really like this one. This one's been scientifically proven for whatever and so the original mm. reason the original reason I went up to it was because they were cut into these really pretty patterns like of star pieces almost. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. these are cool. Like I'll get some for the team. And so I uh I went and got I went to go get them and I was like, oh, what is this one called? And they're like, oh, it's it's Sugnite. <laughs> and I was like Dope. I was like, Sugnite? Like like As uh, in Sugnite? Like Marion Hugh Knight Jr. Sugnite, like the the scary uh rapper slash uh yes. you know voluntary manslaughter guy and they were like oh uh no 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 it's shungite and i was like oh okay that makes a little bit more sense so shungite what's what's actually interesting and so this is actually kind of cool so shungite is actually a uh, shungite is a real it's a mineral obviously it's a real mineral right technically it's a mineraloid but so it's it's mostly carbon it's like 98 to 99 percent carbon uh-huh. And so the reason it's called Shungite is originally it was found near Shunga in uh, Karelia, Russia. Okay. Right. Okay. So uh, Shungite, what it actually is, is it is a, it's very dark. Um, well, it's, it's black in color, but it, it lusters. It kind of, it appears to shine almost. Right. Uh-huh. And so it's pretty, uh-huh. it's actually really pretty. But so what it was originally used for or what it's, um, what's the word? What it's most famous for, I guess, is is a folk treatment for different things. But it actually does. The interesting thing with Shungite is it actually does have some properties that make it interesting. So, for instance, um, originally it was used as like spa treatments, right? So it was it was crushed up and put into water um, in spas around Russia. So Peter the Great set up the first one in Karelia. Um, which put shungite into the water and things. And they actually would provide some shungite, or they were thinking of providing shungite, I guess I should say, to the Russian army in the 18th century, specifically for purification of water, because it's really, it's a, it's just like carbon, like carbon filter in your Brita filter, mm-hmm. right? It's the same essential kind of, it's the same, same idea essentially, right? So it's an interesting, it was like, you know, it was kind of an interesting thing and, I couldn't tell if these people had had uh, what's the word? I couldn't tell if they had hit on it. Uh, if that's what they were talking about when they said it's got medicinal properties or whatever. Yeah, it's cool, but it didn't it didn't co-form death row records or anything. <laughs> no, it did not. It did not, Marie. Which is what the real Suge Knight did. It would have been a lot cooler if this rock had done. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
I'm just saying, if you're going to be naming, if you were going to go for that type of association, your rock had better, had better be, had better, if you're going to come at the king, you best not miss. (laughs) It was, uh, it was really funny. So anyway, so that was, that was my alien con experience. It was, uh, it was pretty fun. I think we're going to get asked to do it again, which is kind of cool. So I don't know. Those fools. Those fools. (laughs) Little do they know. Little so, do they know. Yeah, it was really cool. Oh, and that was the other thing. Another really cool panel we saw was by the aliens, alien theorists, theorizing guys. They recorded a live show at the event, which was really fun and a lot of uh, really cool. I suggest you guys go go out and listen to it. Listen to all the shows we mentioned this time. It was uh, it was really great. So uh, so yeah, that was Alien Con Marie. Well, the next time we go back, got to merch up. All right, we got to be selling. Oh, I was handing all out right? stickers like crazy. Handing I think- out like. I can't remember. I I can't remember. So I actually got to meet uh, or I took a picture with um, with uh, what's it? Travis Walton, which was really cool. And I think (laughs) I think I gave him a sticker or maybe I was too nervous. I don't know. But as soon as soon as we walked away from him. So I took a picture. It was me, uh, Derek and Brent. Uh, So Brent from Hysteria Hysteria 51, uh, Derek from Monsters Among Us. When um. So when we uh, when we walked away, uh, it was really funny. So Brent goes to us. He's like, you know, we might have just uh, touched a guy who was actually in an alien spaceship. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, that's true. I guess that's kind of true. It's pretty interesting. Well, so did you did you get to meet George Knapp? Yeah, got to shake hands with George Knapp and introduce myself, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. don't think did he's- you drill him? Did you, did you ask him any hard hitters? <laughs> did not drill him. Come on, man. Well, so oh. there was, okay, there was this room set up, which was like the landing spot for everyone who was speaking at the event. So in that room is where I met and saw most of these kind of people from the show and everything, right? I mean, so you walk in and there's like, you know, Giorgio and uh, Giorgio and Mike Barra and Eric Von Daniken and Childress and whoever eating lunch. You know, the free lunch that was provided or whatever. Nick Pope. Sweet. All that stuff. Damn so straight free lunch. there were all these people sitting there. So I uh-huh. walk in and the alien theorist theorizing guys are sitting at a table with George Knapp and someone from To The Stars. And uh, George Knapp is just like, you know, working constantly, it looks like. Just taking notes. Do you have a security detail? He did, he didn't. Oh, okay. Well, what was it was interesting. So he's he's writing all these notes and stuff. He's got this big binder mm-hmm. of stuff. And the alien theorist theorizing guys are just kind of sitting there like in awe, basically. Like, oh my god, it's freaking George Knapp. And so we uh, I went over and introduced myself, and I, I don't I don't know if he recognized who I was, but it certainly felt like it. You know what I mean? So oh, from your uh from your uh, recent foray into the uh the field of MUFON? Yeah, or or, or or from my attacks on to the stars and what I think <laughs> You know the media <laughs> or blitz from the subsequent other shenanigans that you've been up to, so right? So any one of those, any one of those, <laughs> right? So we're getting you some theme music that we're going to start to play the next time, so you can have your own big binder, and then we're going to be like, I'm telling you, walking up to him, and you're like, boom, I'm that, I'm that guy. Seriously though, so no, so it was really interesting, and so when I, what's it? So when I talked to him. I just said, you know, mm-hmm. hey, George Knapp, you know, big fan of some of the stuff you've done, uh, you know, really enjoy reading it, whatever. And then um, what's it? And then he was like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, it was, it was like, oh, Chris, oh, Chris Cogswell. And I was like, yeah. And then I just kind of left because I was like, oh, my God, he's going to be like, you've been calling me out on Twitter. <laughs> it's like, ah! so I kind of chickened out, Marie. But oh, uh, come on, man! I'm telling you, thrown down. You could have been like, "That's right, Mister Nap. I have been throwing you down on Twitter, and here's why." Right. Well, and he, then it would have gotten written up. Ooh, ooh, that would have been exciting news. Yeah. He also, he also though, he also though uh, was pretty clearly like about to go to a session. So I was oh, kind of okay. like, okay. But anyway, so it was what was interesting though is you know because honestly, I don't. I don't think I don't necessarily think George Knapp is in on the to the stars uh, shenanigans. Right. I I just think that he is he's reporting on it because it is interesting and newsworthy. I just don't know if he's being as critical as I would like him to be. 
You know what I mean? Well, you know what I would have asked him about, right? You know who I would have asked him about. Yeah. Immediately. And I, right. And, you know, that was kind of an interesting thing. Like, if we ever sit down with him, that is the first thing we will ask about. I oh, promise you that, Marie. So good. Well, first that of was- all, we're never going to sit down with him because the man's probably not dumb. <laughs> probably never. I mean, someday, maybe. Maybe, you know, maybe he will. I'm not going to rule it out. We're not ruling it out because you never know, right? Stranger, stranger things have happened, as seen at Alien Con. Yeah. With you in the picture of the uh, the baby alien. Oh, yeah, that was a good picture. It was fun stuff. So the other, you, man. the other thing the other thing that happened on the way to Alien Con, which was kind of interesting, was there are a lot of... And I know, listeners, you're probably getting sick of hearing about all the UFO world shenanigans going on right now. There's just a lot of stuff happening really quickly with uh, the History Channel and the show Unidentified and To the Stars and whatever. So <laughs> this... Drama. So not even should have like a plan for it. I'm telling you. So not not even this weekend. Drama. Not even necessarily this weekend, but over the past couple weekends, let's say, a lot of crazy stuff has been going on. So one of the uh, one of them was the release of this what's known as the uh, the core secrets memo, right? So uh, what these are is these are from these were released by. we don't know who released them. It was released on, uh, what's the word? It was released on Twitter on June 6th. And around that same time, it was released on, um, what's the word? On Reddit by this throwaway account who also released another series of memos on the alien autopsy uh, video. <laughs> right? And so, um, okay. So the recent the recent drama in the UFO community and again, I know, listeners, if you're getting sick of this topic, let us know. We know that there's a lot going on. It's We like it because it puts you up to date. It's stuff that we're interested in. But again, we're trying to intersperse it here and there. We're not trying to go super overboard with it. But it's a little hard not to when it's the, it's, it is the primary news on these subjects that's going on right now. And we're going to have a song for it. We sure are. You have the drama. Uh, Doom. So we're gonna put up we're gonna put up all these documents up on the uh, up on the Twitter on the website and things so people can find them if they want them. So what is what happened over the last couple of weekends is so first there was a leak of emails going back and forth between people on the uh, between Bigelow, Eric Davis, Colm Kelleher, um, and uh, Hal Pudoff and a couple other people on the alien autopsy film that appears to have been sent out around 2001 um, around those years. Right. So the documents say on them, March 23rd, 2001, that they are addendums from these things right now, for those that don't know the alien autopsy film is a it's 17 minutes. It's in black and white and it seems to show or what it was purported to have said to have shown was a autopsy of an alien body collected at Roswell. It was originally released in 95 uh, by Ray Santilli, who claimed that it was an authentic uh, image or an authentic film of an alien body. Right? In 2006, though, he came out and admitted that it was not authentic, but instead was a what he called a staged reconstruction. He claimed that it was... Um, Essentially, they saw a real video of an autopsy in 1992 and then created a fake of that to try and get the public talking about this footage. So they tried to make a a recreation of the real footage they saw and then pass it off as true. Hmm. Originally, it was broadcast on the Fox channel, right, under the name Alien Autopsy Fact or Fiction. Right. So and this is. This is the famous alien autopsy video. This is the so famous really one. only one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. This is the famous right. one that everyone's seen. Right? Yeah, no worries then. Yep. Okay. So um, the film was put out there. And so Santilli and his fellow producer, Gary uh, Shufield, said that it was actually a reconstruction in 2006, like we said, after a uh, a comedy version of it was put out. <laughs> in 2006 well, there's, there's a comedy version of it there right? sure is so what they claimed was that it was a re it was a restoration not a fakery necessarily 
but that there were a few frames. An homage. Well, so they said that there was a they said that there was a few frames of the original film still in there that were real, quote unquote. Okay. So this has been known since 2006. This has been their kind of claim, you know. Um, however, what happened is that a bunch of other people came out and said that, well, we were all involved in this fake as well. Right. So John Humphreys came out. He was a sculptor. He came out and said that he was the one that constructed the bodies. Um, a bunch of other people said that they came out and actually were the ones that bought pieces of the meat. Uh, that was used as the innards of the alien's body themselves. So um, they actually bought them at a Smithfield meat market in London. Um, so from the S.E. Crosby wholesale butcher Smithfield, uh, they also said uh, Humphreys himself, that sculptor, said that he was the one that played the role of the chief examiner. Um, and that uh, there were a couple of different, a couple of different takes on it. And then afterwards, they disposed of the bodies by chopping up the sculptures and then throwing them away in random. Uh, trash bins around London. So you have a lot of people, really quickly, just to inter- just to interject. You have a lot of people that are substantiating the fact that this was a fraud. That have no financial gain in doing so. Ne- maybe necessarily now, right? I mean, yes, it's being verified. Like the seems like you've got enough. Okay, keep going. Just pointing yeah. that out. Right. No, yeah. So I'm with you. There's with a you. there's a lot of people who have said, okay, it is it is fake, right? Yes. So. Santilli, the, what these documents show is that although basically everyone else takes it as a complete hoax, these other people mm-hmm. in the Bob Bigelow circle, including Davis, Colm Kelleher, whoever, as well as and Kit Green, who is uh, part of the Mirage Men story generally, um, they all say that they believe that it's true because uh, because they think it's true. Why? Why is it true? Why would we choose this to say that it's true? It's, like, I, there's so much stuff out there that you could do now. If you're going to, like, I don't, okay, keep going, sorry. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? So, uh, Kit Green has said that he believes that these things are, uh, what's the word? That uh, this is true, right? Um that what's it that this is a real that, that there was a real event that took place whatever right um and that's uh what's the word so th- this is from one of the emails so this is from email number three from kit green to eric davis and hal pudoff and john alexander it says subject re-autopsy after reviewing um the autopsy film one the pro the pro sectors were not pathologists they were one surgeon and one non-surgeon both physicians the body was not human the procedure was non-standard and not even an autopsy protocol, but seemed like a legitimate screening attempt. The procedure was not forensic, and many mistakes were made that would be embarrassing today. But assuming the procedure was indeed in 1947 or so, easily explained and forgiven. The body is burned, that is charring, not decomposition. Brain liquefaction had started, but the brain was abnormal in terms of human anatomy. The body looked pretty faked, but I intend to look at the film again on the 27th of January to make it a better decision. Um, snip from Kit. Um... So here's the thing, right? So (laughs) even inside of these documents, right? It says, hey, this looks super fake. But it looks super fake. Right. But what they are saying, um, what they're essentially saying is that although this film looks fake, all their secret contacts in the government came out and said that it was actually real or that it was based on something real. But the problem with all of that, right? So this is here, right? So in January 2001, appendix email number three, and then this month, appendix email number two and number one, Kit provided his professional evaluation of the Santilli alien autopsy film slash video. Um, the summary of Kit's evaluation is, the alien autopsy film video is real, the alien cadaver is real, and the cadaver seen in the film video is the same as the photos Kit saw at the Pentagon during a briefing. Kid said that the alien forensic tissues could hypothetically be located at Walter Reed Armed Air Force's Institute for Pathology Medical Museum, which is not open to the public and requires a security clearance to get in. Kit only visited there twice in his career. Kit made his visits under escort by the chief medical examiner of the Army, Dr. Charles Stahl. Um, Kit stated that the Army physicians did the procedure seen in the film video, and they conducted a non-forensic, non-standard autopsy screening procedure. 
They made some mistakes. The alien is not human. Its brain lacked the gross anatomical structure seen in human brains and liquefaction of the brain due to decomposition can be seen in the video, whatever. Um, there was no in-depth molecular or cellular biological investigation produced on the alien body tissue samples at the time. Um, and then Kit stated that the justification made by the special access program groups for the 54-year secrecy surrounding the Roswell alien bodies and artifacts is a result of three things. One, bureaucratic secrecy. Two, intellectual and political arrogance among top government officials and scientific geniuses that are involved in this. Um, and three, it was the right thing to do. So, again, so cool. here's the problem with all this, right? So, the, cl- the claim that they want to be able to make here is that there was a real autopsy film that right. was then, but also that, par- so that parts of the film are real, but then saying, no, the whole thing is real, but then later saying, no, well, only one frame is real. They just keep moving the goalposts, which is really frustrating. And Why do this now? Why drop this now? Like, that's the other thing. It's like, I don't get why, like, this was, this is a huge, this, I'm sorry, but this was on Fox. It's a fraud. Like, we're it's gonna, a fraud. We're going to get into Go it, Marie. We're going to get into right. it, Marie. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just unpacking it because it's just like. Yeah. It's no, it's weird. Why? It's real weird. It's real weird, right? It's stupid. So. Sorry. The other thing that's, the other thing about this to remember is that actual pathologists viewed the video and came away with yes. thinking that this was super duper fake, right? Even kids. Even Kit Green in his analysis says this looks super fake. Like, so, I mean, so, okay, it looks super fake, but they assume that it's real. But like, I, you know, it's all the evidence is screaming to them. This is fake. And yet they still believe it because they are believers. Right. Um, so the pathologists that did look at this at the time were uh, Ed Utman in 95, who said that it looked, um, it lacked technical vers- verisimilitude. Um, so it lacked similarity to what a technical, actual uh, forensic analysis of a body would look like. Cyril Wecht, who was the president of the National Association of Forensic Pathologists, said that it looked like supermarket meat scraps and could not be related to any abdominal context as far as he could tell. And then uh, Dominic DeMeo said, uh, quote, I would say it's a lot of bull, end quote. <laughs> Um, Seems relatively conclusive. I mean, yeah. again, then, like if you have people that do this for a living that are esteemed in their positions doing for a living, but have no reason to say anything but the truth. Well, so why what, would you? One of the funny things that happened. So last night I was on a radio show where I argued pretty heavily that this thing is obviously fake and we should ignore it. We should ignore these notes. Um, so one of the reasons that I was told that Cyril Wecht couldn't be uh, believed was because he was part of the JFK assassination cover up. Uh. <laughs> Where do you even start with? That, I don't though? even I mean, understand. You can't argue with that. No. Like again, if we're going to talk about conspiracy and the conspiracy mindset, you can't you can't breach the loop with with a logic based argument. So, in my opinion, the next the next document to be released by the same person were. Notes from Eric Davis. So again, Eric Davis is a physicist who works with Hal Pudoff. So they are deeply within the Bigelow circle. Uh, You know, they're both uh, on the NIDS team. As far as we can discern, they Mm. are both still working with, well, we don't know if Davis is working with two of the stars, but it seems unlikely that he wouldn't be considering his close affiliation throughout his career with Pudoff. But uh, anyways, so, and Pudoff is part of two of the stars. So anyways, these Eric Davis notes were then released, which are these are his contem- his contemporary or contemporaneous notes, supposedly from 2002 with meetings that he had with one Admiral Wilson and then another uh, meeting that he had with um, with uh, what's this guy's name here, Will Miller, who was also supposedly in, in the army itself. Now, what these documents show. So first off, again, we cannot we cannot overstate this enough. They are the notes of someone who know, we know believes in the UFO topic saying that he talked with this. He talked with this admiral and this admiral told him all this super cool secret alien stuff that he can't talk about anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like it's again it's it's again we keep making this analogy. It's like the kid in middle school who, you know, said, well, look, this is the note that my girlfriend wrote me, but she goes to another high school and you can't meet her. She's in Canada. Exactly. You know, she's a supermodel in Canada. So these, Mm -hmm. you know, really, Mm -hmm. uh, even if these notes are real and these meetings took place, 
who cares because we can't verify any of the contents of the notes. There's, there's no way to, yes. to, to verify them, right? The other thing that's interesting with this are some of the things that are said, right? So, um, so for instance, in this one from, in this one from, uh, Will Miller, he says, quote, um, now all that said and pending further discussion with you and Hal on your ultimate objectives for having such information, I could provide the following one particulars on a special team involved with recovering crashed craft Two, the name and last location of a senior officer who I believe had firsthand knowledge, us government, alien reproduction vehicles at area 51 and associated locations three. And that typo is in there. It's not me just misreading something three, the name and current location of a retired senior officer who I believe was directly involved in government interaction with the significant UFO event on the East coast. And then four, a list of civilian government contractors who by virtue of their past and currently highly classified work, current capabilities, clearances, specialized personnel and geographic areas of concern, most likely have current involvement in and knowledge of U S government work in alien derived technologies, crashes, landing and associated events. So, um, that, that document mm-hmm. again comes out and it's, it is interesting that this letter would have gone back and forth between these two people. But again, to me, all that this reads like is one alien believing guy sending crazy theories to another alien believing guy. Do you know what I mean? I think a lot well, of, yeah. I think a lot of this comes down to people in the UFO community, especially wanting to think that they're very kind of, you know, anti-establishment and whatever, but actually the minute a government official says anything, they believe it a hundred percent. You know, this guy, the only reason we think this, the only reason we think this document is important is because this guy was in the Navy. That's the only reason why we think this is an important document. Otherwise this would just be any number of letters that are sent between UFO believers. If you're going to hang your hat on this alien autopsy video footage, I just think the whole thing is downhill, right? There's just no, you're arguing your way out of a, uh, out of a hole to begin with. Yeah. And I don't understand if you, if you would like to see full disclosure of whatever is happening out there that you believe is happening, why you wouldn't try and look for more recent events that could be substantiated in a more, um, I hate to say public culture kind of way, but like that could be substantiated by people that, that are not just critics and cynics, but sort of the New York times, like the New York times when, with that article, you know, X amount of years ago, that was a pretty significant, impressive, what happened afterwards is, you know, up for debate, but like, that to me, it's like that's the kind of stuff that you should be pushing for because the alien autopsy has too much baggage. Mm-hmm. Whether you believe it or you don't believe it, or it's it's faked, it's not faked. It has a portion of real, not a portion of it's real. You're just down the rabbit hole on the get go. Any 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 credence or any kind of uh, I don't know any kind of like traction isn't going to come from something that's already been looked at or people, mm. I would even argue people that have already been ensconced in and uh, wrapped up in the, in what's gone back and forth in the alien community for the last 90 plus years. Yeah. I just threw 90 out there, but I mean, that's, you. that's the thing is it's like, you've got too many, you've got too much, you got too much baggage, you got too much, you got too much one way or the other on it. And it's like, Again, as soon as somebody could make the argument like, well, they're they're a you know, they're a government, they're a government shell. They're like uh, they're CIA or we believe them too much because of this or that. It's sort of like, how can you even. You know what I mean? It's like, you yeah, gotta come up with something else. Yeah, and that's it, what I think is hard that these that certain groups don't want to hear about this because it's like. It, I don't want to disprove them just on the sake of who they are and what they've stood for in the past. But at the same time, it's like, dude, alien autopsy is just, you can't, that's just, come on, man. Yeah. Well, it, it, it makes it, it makes it really hard to take anything else they say seriously. Mm-hmm. When again, mm-hmm. they admitted that it's, it's, it is a fake, right? I mean, even if, you know, yes. it's like, it's like saying, you know, 
your teacher catches you, you know, I don't know. Your teacher catches you uh, taking, uh, what's it, plagiarizing an, an essay. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, but I only plagiarized like 98% of it, though. One or two sentences is real. Well, who cares, right? The whole thing is garbage now. You can't do it. And so the, you know, and the argument to me is ultimately, how do you get the public to believe things? Yes. You know, it doesn't like the old adage in the science community is you publish or perish, you know? And mm-hmm. the idea, the idea there is that if your work, you know, if you cure cancer and it just stays in your lab forever, cause no one can believe the things you say, then you might as well not have cured cancer. You know, exactly. who, who cares? It's the same thing yeah. with this stuff. If this guy really had a couple of frames of a real alien body being dissected, that is worth that in itself would be very important, but it's not important if you put it out there in a way that makes it completely unbelievable because it, it might as well have never happened. Well, and why start with an alien autopsy, right? Like why start with like something that huge? Yeah. How it's going to be that hard for, for, for America, the world, whoever you're, whoever you're trying to convince that this is a real thing to wrap their head around. Why not start with something that is like, that's actually legitimate footage that wasn't faked, that was seen by multiple people or something like that. I don't understand. Like you rush, you go straight towards the end of the argument, which is here's an alien autopsy. They've been hiding it from us. They've been covering it up. It's like, there's just no, that's too many, that's too many credibility leaps for any one person to make. No, it's too much. Isn't already vested in like believing in every other conspiracy, right? Exactly. You don't, you, if you're, if your audience is already the conspiracy mindset, then you've got them already. You had them at the word alien autopsy. But if you're, if your audience is somebody like me or somebody else who is, who's, who's highly cynical about whatever else is out there about this, then why don't you, put forward something very credible that could be easily believed that, but again, you can't have the conspiracy mindset, but yeah, but then it's the New York times. New York times is a shell for that. And then you're down the rabbit hole, right? Like you have to separate the two things. And I think that that's, that's one of the problems that still plagues, you know, any sort of discovery is it's, it's tied to, it's tied to too much of too much conspiracy. Right. So, and what's interesting is I think the ultimate question you asked, which I think is the, is the logical question here is why now, right? Why release this stuff now? I actually think that, I think the reason is very simple. I think it's money. I think that what's happening is the UFO, the UFO community has seen suddenly that these people attached to Bigelow are being taken very seriously. Mm-hmm. At, at least at least as seriously as you can hope to be taken with these topics by appearing on the History Channel, by getting coverage in the New York Times. Right? I mean, I, I think mm-hmm. to say that that is a monumental shift for most of these people who are, you know, manning their own booths at AlienCon is is uh, it can't be understated how important it is to have this kind of mm-hmm. real effective media coverage, you know, to finally yes. be taken, you know, even if even if, you know, whatever, uh Jeannie, what's what's her name on CNN? Jeannie, whatever that's on Aaron Burnett. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Even if she's yeah, yeah, making yeah. you know the X Files theme whistle and whatever, it's still at least getting talked about. I think that a lot of people are now coming out of the woodwork and saying, "Hey, if I want to be taken seriously too, I need to attach myself to this group somehow." And so mm-hmm. I'm going to leak documents that show that this group who is being taken seriously took what I put out seriously back then too. And so it starts to drum up interest, right? I think it's the same thing that's happening with Bob Lazar is, hey, you know, Bigelow thought I was legit too at some point, regardless of the fact that Bigelow refused to work with him afterwards or whatever happened there. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's why these stories are being recycled now is because everyone wants a piece of the credibility pie. But the problem is that the more and more of these crazy stories that come out, the less and less pie there is to go around because the, you know, it's slowly disintegrating. Uh, yes. It's, you know, what's it? It's like, a, I don't know. I don't know. Not to get too, not to get too crass with this or whatever, you know, but it's like, uh, I don't know. 
your you know your dinner date is going well with a new a new uh, potential partner or whatever, and then you go to the bathroom and you come out totally nude. You know, it's like that's, <laughs> we're we're moving too quickly here. You know, we Sorry. we haven't even gotten past the uh, the main course. You know, and you're already nude and ready for this to move forward. It's like you know, uh, it's just I would agree. It's too I quick. Would, I we're, think that's a funny. I think that's a very funny analogy. And I think that that's actually a relatively good one. Thank you, thank you, <laughs> yes. Marie. Yeah, my. <laughs> anyways, and I'm not. Sorry. I'm not speaking. I'm not speaking from personal experience there either, of necessarily. But you what? know, no. I'm, I'm just gonna say only a few frames of that film are also real. <laughs> so, anyways, all right, oh, Marie, let's. Uh, Let's dig into our next topic. Thank you again, dear listeners, for listening to the Mad Scientist podcast. I have been your host, Chris Cogswell, joined by my co-host, Marie Mayhew. If you'd like to contact the show, please send us an email at themadscientistpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter at madscientistpod or at teamgiantsquid for Marie. And of course, you can see us on Facebook, on Instagram, and all over the internet as the Mad Scientist Podcast. And again, our logo is the one with the pumpkin head, so it's easy to see. Mm-hmm. If you've enjoyed the show tonight, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where the money that you give to us will help us to promote this show further, to make it better, and just to spend more time making it. Because we love doing that. We do love doing that. Our logo was designed by Carrie Shaheen, our... Web design is done by Desdemona Howard, Woo-hoo. and our sound design is done by Jake Cardinal. Thanks again for listening. <laughs> Thank you. This has been a damn it chippy production. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of Seven Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style. And together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling and all in approximately seven minutes.